This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles this morning, grab them. And we're going to go all the way over to the book of Genesis, chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, we are in uh, uh, what has turned into just a very short series that will end next week because we've declared February Victory Month. This is Victory Month right now. And if you're just now joining us, we are believing the rest of February is going to be the most victorious month you have ever had. We, I felt this, this inclination from the Spirit of God I thought I was going to preach one week on this. He said, you declare the whole month, victory month. So that's what we're doing. We're going to Genesis chapter 18. Father, thank you for the word. We receive it with gladness. Let everything calm down in the people's lives. Let their ears be attentive. Let them hear supernatural things, Lord. Let this be a moment that changes their marriage, their life, their relationships, their money, their health, their strength, their future, and their dreams. Thank you, Lord, that your word will do all of that. If we give attention to it, and we do, in Jesus' name, and again, everyone said, amen. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 18, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this, uh, the story of Abraham and Sarah, and uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. I want to go into great detail here. I want to move us into some new things today, but the Bible says, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, so we talked about last week They were not just old uh, by the number of years they'd been alive, but it had taken a toll on their bodies and they were stricken with age. You know, I've seen some people that were 70 that, no no offense, but they kind of looked like they'd had a pretty rough life and they looked like they were probably 90. And I've seen some people that were 70 that looked like they were 50. I mean, I, I guess they'd been walking with God, taking care of themselves, so on and so forth. Well, Abraham and Sarah were old and stricken with age, so they had everything going against them. And the Bible says it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So her body had quit producing any possibility of having a child at all. Now she'd always been barren, but now there were, she'd gone past the time where women could have children. And the Bible says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself because, you know, uh, God told her through through Abraham and the visitation Abraham had, you read all the chapter, God told her she was going to have a son. And the Bible says she laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being uh, old also. So I want to get your attention early. And I want to remind you that don't worry about the word after. In other words, when you, people say, well, you've passed, things have passed you by. After all of this, you'll never recover. After all this, you'll never have a, 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 you know, if you've gone through a divorce, you'll never have a great marriage. After all this, you'll never have money. After all this, don't worry about that. I love these verses because she said, she thought that way. She said, after I am old, shall I have pleasure? 
In other words, well, I, I mean, I've already passed the, the time. It's passed me by. But I want you to know if you're serving God, nothing has passed you by. Uh, and we're going to find this in the scriptures. And she said, besides this, I'm looking over here at my husband and he has passed him by too. He can't produce either. I can't bear a child. He can't produce a child. And verse 13, and the Lord said unto Abram, and this, I love this. She said, he said, wherefore did Sarah laugh saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? So God spoke to Abraham and he said, what is she laughing about? Now I'm telling you, why is she laughing? And then he gives us, the, and you know, this would be in our lives. Sometimes somebody would say, well, you know, this, this God could do this for you. God could do that. And it's almost like we want to scoff at it. We say, no, I mean, it, it'll happen for her and it'll happen for him, but it won't happen for me. But we have to understand that's not the way God does things. And I want you to notice here that she scoffed at what was said and God heard it. But then in verse 14, he's, God says these words. This is not Abraham saying it, it is God saying it. He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You need to, you need to get that down in your spirit. And God asks the question, is there anything too hard for me? Now, if you're dealing with a human being, there are going to be times that that's all they can give you. If you're dealing with an organization, there's going to be times that's all they can give you. If you're dealing with a government, you might as well forget it because they're not going to be able to help you much anyway. But God says, I'm not like that. He says, is there anything too hard for me? He said, at the time appointed, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. He said, because there's nothing too hard for me. I know some of you out there are going through the worst days of your life. You've been beat up, beat down, run down, run over, run through. And you've been abandoned and forsaken and betrayed and, and things have happened to you. And your life has gone through a lot of things in your life. There are pieces of your life scattered everywhere. It's kind of like I heard a preacher friend say one time, and he, it's right, we kind of feel like the scarecrows, you know, uh, on the Wizard of Oz. There's a little bit of me over here. Remember, remember when they got out there and they, they started tearing him up out there on that road and, and they tore some of the straw out and they had some there and some there. And he said, you know, sometimes we feel like that. There's a little piece of me over there and some over there, but you know what? Don't worry about that. God says, there's nothing too hard for me. I want you to hear that for your life. Not for just Abraham and for Sarah's life, but for your life. He said, there's nothing too hard for me. Now, Sarah, we know, did have a son. His name was Isaac. What do you think the name Isaac means? Well, it means laughter. God said, you might be laughing. And listen, people might be laughing at you right now and saying, you're never going to have anything. You're never going to mount anything. But let me just tell you something. God always has the last laugh. God will bless you and put you in a place where things will begin to happen for you. And everybody that laughed at you one day, the last laugh will be on them. I got to tell you, I, I know this because I've experienced it. I've experienced it in my own life. Now we're going to run quickly to Deuteronomy chapter one. Deuteronomy chapter one. These are just review scriptures. We're going to get into some new things here in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter one. We see the same kind of thing happening here. Uh, you know, Moses is now, we're, we're many centuries later now, and the children of Israel have gone into captivity for 400 years as God said they would. And, but now God has delivered them and God's used a man named Moses. And by the way, Moses was 80 
when God began to use him to deliver these people. So listen, it's never too late for God to do anything. And now he's got all these people and they're coming to him and he's got to, you know, uh, got to deal with all their problems. You know, I, I always, you know, people want to be leaders. All of you that are leaders out there, I can hear an amen right now. I want to hear a big amen on this one. If you're leaders, everybody wants to be a leader, except when they have to lead, because then you got to deal with people. So uh, the time comes, he's got to deal with all the problems of the people. Verse 17. And God says he's teaching Moses how to deal with people. He said, you shall not respect persons in judgment. In other words, don't show favor, but you shall hear the small as well as the great. I, I love that about God. Some of you out there think you're small. You say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not Billy Graham or I'm not Kenneth Copeland or I'm not whoever it is you think is the greatest minister that's ever been on the planet or is on the planet. And you might think that, well, when they pray, God listens to them, but, but God won't listen to me. But that is not true. And God is showing, God is teaching. He's teaching Moses how to do it because that's the way God does it. Understand, this is the way God works with people. He said, you shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid of the face of man. So you're not going to be afraid. God said, I'm not, somebody come to me, they can say whatever they got to say. For the judgment is God's. And I love this part. And then he says, and the cause that is too hard for you. He was telling Moses, and the cause that is too hard for you, when you teach these people how to deal with the people, he said, bring it unto me and I, will hear, and I will hear it. So this was Moses' leaders. If they couldn't solve it, they would bring it unto him. But God's saying, this is the way I do it. So let me tell you something. Sometimes you may feel like there's no one on this planet. I have been there. Man, I remember being in that apartment building. I remember feeling like my family had deserted me and, my, and, my, and I only had one or two friends on the planet and I didn't have any money. I mean, I had everything that had, it's like a net that had closed in around me. And I felt like, you know, nobody knew that I was over there hurting and suffering and battling depression because I'd lost everything and trying to raise a little girl, not having any money and, and at that time not having completed my education, which I have now. I remember feeling like nobody's listening, but I love this. He said, you can bring it to other people, but if they can't handle it, then you bring it unto me. And I've got news for you today. You're not watching this by mistake. You're not watching this by accident. I'm telling you, God has you right now where he wants you listening to this to tell you, you bring your cause to me just because the bank turned you down, just because a man or woman turned you down, just because, you know, somebody left your life. Don't worry about it. God says, bring it unto me because I hear the small and I hear the great. And I think I ought to see a great big and hear a great big amen out of that. Amen. Now I'm going to read one more review scripture. Thank you for giving me these 10 or 15 minutes. And if you were in our 830 service last week, well, you got little bits of this, but you didn't get all of it. And even at the 10, I, I probably couldn't get it all to you. I want to read very quickly from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 56 and 57. And it says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. This is from the Amplified Classic Version, 1 Corinthians 16, 56, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors. Say it out loud. God's making me a conqueror. Say it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord always being superior, excelling, 
doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. I, I, you, could, you could just take that verse and I hope that you do. And you use it as a challenge because it begins by saying God will make you a conqueror. But then it challenges you to do more than is necessary to do, you know, the very best you can. And especially in the service of the Lord. You know, I've, I believe this about every church member. A lot of you are Faith Outreach Church members. Some of you have been here before. You've been, the military's taken you elsewhere and you're, you're still connected. But I always believe this. If somebody says to you, for instance, if they were to say to one of our members, um, uh, where do you go to church? If somebody asked them that question out in the community and they said, where do you go to church? Well, I think the appropriate answer is you should say, you should be able to say, I go to Faith Outreach Church and I serve in the whatever ministry. Let's say the parking lot ministry or the children's ministry or the ushering ministry or the tech ministry or the camera ministry or the greeting ministry and so on and so forth. In other words, you shouldn't just be able to say, I go to a church. You ought to be able to attach something to that because you're doing service for the Lord. And the Bible says, well, if you do it, do it with the best of your ability. And listen, God will make you a conqueror. When you're, let me tell you something. If you will work in God's kingdom, God will promote you. God will bless you. You, you know, you've got to get off the couch. You've got to quit analyzing everybody else. Quit being a, a Sunday morning or a Monday morning quarterback. You've got to get in the game. You can't be a spectator. But I'm telling you, if you do, God will do great and, and mighty things for you. Now, I'm going to read a, a verse that you're going to know. I'm going to read it out of a different translation. And this is some of the new stuff I want to get into in the remainder of our service. And by the way, if you're just now joining us, it's not too late. Calm everything down. Get your Bible out. Come on in. Don't leave us now. We've only got a few minutes left. It's Sunday. I'm trying to give you some gas for your tank. I'm trying to put some pep in your step uh, so that when you walk out the door tomorrow morning, you are walking out more than a conqueror and you're going out of there and you're going to win this week. So stay with me for these last 30 minutes that we have left. And God is going to bless you greatly. I really believe that. But we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Some of you've already guessed the verse I'm going to go to. Um, what is the title of my message? I know I've preached 20 minutes now and you're thinking, what, you know, what's the title? He's talking about victory. He's talking about God. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. But really what I want to get in your spirit as we get into the remainder of this message is I want to get this phrase into your spirit, not going back. See, we declared this victory month and I want you to get the attitude in your heart and in your mind and in your actions that you're not going back. You're not going back to the world. You're not going back to your old life. You're not going back to your old ways. You're not going back to your old setting. You're not going back. You're going to go on to victory because this is victory month. Now, again, a quick review here in Jeremiah. The people of God have gotten themselves into captivity again. They've disobeyed God. When that happens, of course, when you disobey God, some of your defenses go down and the enemy comes in a lot of times. And they've been taken captive. They're in Babylon now. And uh, God is using the prophet Jeremiah and he's telling them a lot of really terrible things that they're going to have to go through. But God also tells Jeremiah, no matter what it's going to look like in the next space of time, I have a long range plan. Now, I want to say that to all of you out there. 
Things may not change for you today. I'm not promising you today that everything's going to turn in the next 24 hours. For some of you, it will. But I am telling you this. If you will stick with God, God has a plan beyond the storm. God has a plan beyond the darkness you're going through. God has a plan on the other side of divorce. God has a plan on the other side of the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, a death in your family. God has a plan if you've messed up or somebody's messed you up. God has a plan. And this is where the children of Israel are at this time. And God uses the prophet Jeremiah. Now, they are right in the middle of captivity. They are in bondage at this time. But I love what God tells Jeremiah after he tells him all the things they're going to go through. He says this, and I want you to hear it today, though, as personal for you. Now, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. This is uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. New Living Translation says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Wow. You know, if somebody uh, that you trusted and they had a great track record uh, came into your life and said, listen, I've got some great plans for you. If you already know that they can be trusted, you know they love you, you know that all they'd ever want to do is make things better for you, that would bring you comfort, first of all. And then also what it would do is make you be attentive because you know that they mean what they're saying. And I want you to hear this. God, the God who said there's nothing too hard for me, right? The God who said, if you take your call somewhere else and they won't hear it, you bring it unto me. That same God says, I know I, the plans I have for you. Now listen, they are plans for good. Now you have to believe that God has something good for you. I always loved Oral Roberts. That's why I'm so excited when Richard comes to our church. Oral Roberts would always say, something good is going to happen to you. And he'd say it just like that with some oomph. Something good is going to happen to you. Well, he says here, there are plans for good. Listen to this next part in the New Living Translation. We don't see it in the others. Plans for good and not for disaster. I love that they put that in there. Uh, God wants to give you, well, a lot of us have had disastrous things happen in our life. I've had some disastrous things happen. And almost all of it was due to my own uh, stupidity or lackadaisicalness or whatever it is you'd want to call it. But I want you to notice here, God says, I have a good plan for you and it's not for, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. He said, in those days, when you're in your darkest, when you're in, when everybody is laughing at you, remember how, you know, even Sarah laughed. When everybody's laughing at you, here's what God said. I have plans for good for you, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, God said, in those hard days, in those dark days, in those days when everybody's walked out the door, I will listen, God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly. Now we're reading down to verse 14. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now think about this. We're reading verses 11 through 14. God says, when you're in that moment, when you're in captivity, when it looks like it's never going to end, and you know, the devil will tell you when you get into a storm, it's never going to end. He'll tell you that, you know, something bad happened, something worse is coming. But notice God says, I will be found of you. I will end your captivity. Now that's great. God said, I'm going to finally stop all this mess 
that's happening to you. I'm going to stop all the disaster. I'm going to stop the bad stuff. But he said, I'll end your captivity. So that part's great. He said, but then I will restore your fortunes. Now this is victory, victory month. Who I don't know where you are on this, but this is getting me excited. I can see the whole place in here full of people in the spirit. You're not in here physically. I can see this place shouting now. I can see some people going, yes, God's not only going to end your captivity, he's going to restore your fortunes. He said, I will gather you out of the nation. So he's beginning to say, I'm going to gather you back to me and I'm going to bring you back in to the land that I've given you. And he's talking about the promised land. God is about to do something big for you. Do not go back. Do not turn around. Do not look back. Don't look back there at all. God has, no matter how hard this moment is, God is going to give you the last laugh in Jesus' name. Now we're going to begin to wind down. We're going to read over in Exodus. We'll go back a couple of books here. Genesis, Exodus. And uh, we're going to read in chapter 13 here. And uh, God is delivering the people now. They're coming out of Egypt's bondage after 400 years and they're being led out. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic Bible in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go. Now I'm going to stop for just 10 seconds to say this. There's coming a time when the devil will let you go. Don't you believe he's not? God did not lead them. I want you to notice what happens here. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was, I'm reading the Bible, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Now you would have thought if God was going to get them out of there finally, he would get them out the shortest route and get them out as quickly as he could. But notice why God didn't do this. It goes on to say, if the people, God says it's about the people. If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Verse 18, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle, but they were not ready for battle. And I want you to notice what God does here. God says they've been in captivity all these years. They don't know a thing in the world about how to fight for themselves. They don't know, they're not ready to face a war when they come out. And even though it would be quicker to take them this way, I'm going to have to take them this way because they're just not ready yet. And listen, some of us, sometimes when we've gone through the uh, a captivity, we've gone through the hardships, we're not ready to fight a war. Sometimes it may not make sense what God is doing when he brings you out of something immediately. You might not see everything right away, but you've got to trust God that he's doing what is right to get you to where he wants you to go. That's why it's very important that you don't look back, that you keep going forward. Remember that Lot's wife, and we could have read on in Genesis 18, that that same chapter, by the way, has the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in it. And we know what happened when God finally, you know, delivered Lot and his family out. You know, she was leaving and God was, while the city was burning, and, and God told them, don't look back. And she did. And of course, it caused her to die. Now, let's read on a little bit here. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, verse 19. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. Joseph said, I don't want my remains to, to be in Egypt when God's going to take you out of here. It doesn't look like it today. He told, you know, one day, you're going to be taken out of this land. And they were, 
And he said, I don't want even my remains left here. And sometimes we, we just need to get on out of there. Verse 20, the Israelites left Succoth and camped at the Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. So I want to, I want to, I want you to say, I want to show you this, that God got them out of that territory. He got them out of Egypt, but he didn't take them on the shortest route because they would have had to have fought the Philistines who were on that road and God knew they were not ready for it. So God took them on a different route, but he was taking them to the promised land the whole time. He was leading them in the right way. And the Bible says because he knew that they needed some assurance that he led them as a fire by night and as a cloud by day, God led them. See, I'm telling you, God will lead you. God will lead you through the daytimes of your life. God will lead you through the nighttimes. God will lead you. We need to quit trying to do things without the help of God. We need to ask him to lead us and he will. And I love this statement that it says here in the latter part of verse 21. It says, this allowed them to travel by day or by night. I thought that was a great scripture because it says that God will, wants to be such a part of our lives that he will, uh, he'll lead us in a way that we can travel when times are good. That would be like the symbolic of the daytime. And we can travel even at night when things may seem dark. I think it's a beautiful thing that we can have the presence of God and the spirit of God help us as believers uh, to lead us no matter what's going on in our lives, whether we're in the up or down season, whether we're getting delivered or we're on our way. It doesn't matter that God can lead us. I want you to embrace that, that thought that God will lead you either by day or night, that you'll be able to travel. And the whole point now is you're on your way to something. I, I want you to hear today, even if your life is great, I want you to hear today that God is leading you. Even now, you may not know it, but God is leading you into something. God is taking you on a route. God is taking you somewhere. That's why you can't afford to, to look back. Now we're going to read in uh, Numbers chapter 16. So we'll go forward a couple of books again. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And we're still talking about the same moments of time. In chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi and Dathan, and Eberim, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben. Boy, I tell you what, you got you to really read here. They rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon you. So I, wa I want you to see here um, a, situ a situation that is developing now. God is delivering the people. They're out of, they're out of harm's way. God has gotten them, uh, uh, incredible victories have happened. We know that God led them to the Red Sea. God defended them there. God drowned the Egyptians. But even after all of this and God used Moses as the centerpiece of the, of the leader of this group, there were other people that got, un, got unrest and they tried to usurp his leadership and it caused them some problems. And what we'll learn, we won't read all this, but if we read more about this, the life of Dathan, we don't know a whole lot about him. We get some history here. You can read a little bit more if you go on down. Um, 
there's some different things happening. You can also find out about how how Dathan, uh, you know, tried to cause a revolt. We can see some of that spirit happening here where he tries to cause a revolt against Moses. You remember when Moses went up on, the, on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and he was up there 40 days and nights. He fasted and he got in the presence of God and the glory of God got on him and it was glowing. It was so evident. And meanwhile, down in the valley, they were partying and they, they weren't willing to wait for Moses to give them the words of God. So they created their own gods. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm always amazed uh, when I read that. And yet we I see it in I see it in 2021. I see people that will walk with God for a while or they'll follow the man of God or woman of God for a season. And then they think they've outgrown them and I'm going to take it on myself and I don't need this. And I can be my own leader and I can be my own God. And 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 so they start forsaking the leadership that God's put them under. They start forsaking, you know, where God is doing in their lives. They forget where they got fed at. They forget what God has done. Now, I got to tell you, as a pastor, I've had people come in this church that when they came in here, they were raw as could be. They were lost as a goose in a snowstorm, lost as last year's Easter egg, all those cliches. And they didn't know anything about God or life. And they were failing in life, failing in their marriage, failing in their money, just failing. And I watched them come in this church and and they would come in and and fall under the leadership and fall under the word and God would begin to move. And next thing you know, their marriage got better. Next thing you know, they got a better job. Next thing you know, they got promotions. Next thing you know, God began to use them in different ways. And and I would dedicate their kids and baptize their kids. And some of them grew up and married their kids. And and unfortunately, some of them had, you know, family members older that I wound up burying all this stuff. And then, you know. But it's amazing how people forget the leadership that God puts them under. And I don't want to get into that too much, but I just want to say that if you, you know, leaders do one thing, they lead you. They, they keep you moving forwards. Good leaders, you're never stalemated when you're under a good leader. A good leaders are always going to lead you on further. They're, they're, they're not going to let you settle for where you are. They're going to push you. They're going to prod you. They're, they know that there's something better and bigger in you than you even know about. Because see, that's what God believes about all of us. Remember what we read over in uh, 1 Corinthians there uh, about how there's a champion in all of us. There's a champion and God knows how to bring that conqueror out. So we see that what's happening here and, and what happens to the people is something that it's almost unbelievable. They start wanting to go back. It's amazing, you know, uh, you know, Dathan says, you know, if we just stay back, you can read it later on. If, if we, if we would have stayed back there, then we could have at least had something. Uh, let me read, um, let's go on down. Let's read a little bit more real quickly. Let's go down to uh, uh, verse 12. And Moses, in number 16, Moses sent to call Dathan and Eberim, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. They would not go up. With, they were murmuring. They were causing division in the, in the people. And they said, is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except you make yourself altogether a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land that flows with milk and honey or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Uh, And so they begin to cry out about what's happening. And we know that the children of Israel even started saying we were better off. When we were back in Egypt, because when we were back there, if you go, if you go on and read some of this, they even say when we were back there, at least we were near the fire. At least we were 
where there was food, but you brought us out here in the wilderness. And they, they somehow got it in their heart that things were better back there than they were where God was leading them. Just because you're not in a, a place where it looks like victory today does not mean that God's not leading you to victory. So you've got to be very patient and, and not give up and not start saying, well, you know, when I was out in the world, I had a good time. When I was out there, you know, I had this, that. You've you got you to fight against that thought and fight against that spirit and not let it get in your heart. You've got you've to decide that I'm going to trust God on this. I know God has great plans for me. That he's going to do some good things for me and not put me in a place of disaster. God's going to put me in a place where he'll listen to me and God will hear my prayers and God will be attentive to me. And God will not only get me out of my captivity like we read in Jeremiah 29, but he will restore my fortunes, restore all of the things that I've lost in other parts of my life. I, the, one of the main things that I love about God is God restores people. God restores when you walk with him long enough, not only will he get you out of your darkness and get you out of your death and get you out of your defeat and get you out of all the stuff of the past, but God will lead you to a place where he restores everything that was stolen from you. Even if you weren't serving him at that time and the devil got it, God will restore things to you. God is a great restorer. That's why we have declared this is victory month. This is the month where we get back on the path. This is the month where we get back in the groove, we might say. This is the month where we start heading towards, you know, what God has for us. Can I get a big amen out there? I know you're listening. I'm telling you what, I'm fired up about this. Now, we don't have to look very far because this thing gets so bad in verse 9 of Numbers 26. The Bible says that, uh, of course, Dathan and some of the other leaders rise up against Moses and what happens is an earthquake comes in verse 10 and swallows them up. You know, that does not have to be our, that does not have to be our future. We have a future with God. I'm telling you, God, this is victory month. I'm excited. I only have a few more verses. Go quickly to Jeremiah 32. We're going to begin to fix it to get ready to start closing. That's what we say in the South. In the South, if you're not from here, if we say we're fixing to do something, that means we're about to do something right here. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 32. And uh, we're just going to again confirm what we read earlier. I want to show it to you again. I want to get this in your heart. Jeremiah 32 verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, with an exclamation mark. So maybe I need to say that a little bit more. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and stretched out your arm and there is nothing too hard for you. I love this verse. Again, Jeremiah, we're back over in his book again. And he says, you're the one that made everything, the heaven and the earth. And by your great power, that's how much power you have. And here I am on this earth and I get to thinking that Things will never change for me. I've gone too far. Things are, I'm just born to lose. You know, I'm a loser. You got to get all that junk out of your mouth. First of all, you got to get it out of your heart and get it out of your mouth. Quit calling yourself sick. Quit calling yourself defeated. Quit calling yourself a loser. Quit calling yourself, you know, uh, broke. Quit calling yourself that. And notice what he said here. The Lord God who made the heaven and made the earth that we're on. 
by his great power and stretched out his arm that there is nothing too hard for him. And you may think your life is impossible and too hard, but it is not. God knows how to help you. Philippians 4.13 in the King James Version is a very familiar scripture, but you need to embrace it as your own. It says I and the first the first word in it, it's this possessive noun. It's, it's, it says I, that would be you. You need to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now it, all, it says about the same thing in the New Living Translation, but I wanted to read it because I wanted to get it just maybe another notch to turn it in, to get it into you a little bit more. It says I can do everything through Christ Jesus. I can do everything through Christ Jesus. I, I, can, I can make it through anything with Christ Jesus. You need to get that for your own. You need to say, that's me. That verse is mine. I can, I can do everything through Christ Jesus. I can be a winner. I can overcome. I can get through this. I can, I can have a successful business. I can have great relationships. I can have a great relationship with God. I can make a difference in the lives of other people. I, see, get your, get your mind off your heartache and get to the degree where you're reaching to say, it's not even about me anymore. I'm, I'm going to get better just so I can help somebody else. And I'll tell you what, when you do that, you'll get better very, very quickly. James 4, 7. And now everybody shouted out there, by the way, say, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. There's nothing back there. You're on the road to victory. Why in the world would you want to go back there? James 4 and 7 from the Amplified Classic Bible says, So be subject unto God. Resist the devil. And again, you know why I like the Amplified Classic. It will say something, then it'll put a parenthesis after it to define what it just said. So be subject to God, resist the devil. Now we're going to put in parenthesis what it means to resist the devil. It means to stand firm against him. Meaning, I am not moving, devil. You can do whatever you want. You can try whatever you want to, but I'll be right here. Come back next Tuesday, I'll be right here. Come back next Friday, I'll be right here. Come back next month, I'll be right here. You're not budging me. I'm not going back there. I'm on my way to something. I'm on my way to good. So I'm standing firm against you. And the Bible says if you do that, he will flee from you. Another translation says he'll run quickly. The Message Bible, listen to this, verses 7 through 10, and this is... My final verse. These are my final verses. If you, you listen to this from the message, this is so good. Now you're not going back. This is victory month. This is you. You're more than a conqueror. You're on your way to winning. You're going to, even if you're in darkness, your better days are coming. Come on, say it with me. Get on in there. Say some amens. Let go of all the junk. Listen to the James 4, 7 from the message Bible. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Now, some of you right now where you are need to go, no devil, no devil, no devil to your children. No, you're not getting my kids. No, you're not getting my health. No, you're not getting my money. No, you're not getting my dreams. No. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. We're going to read on. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. I love this. So when God tells me, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And the Bible says when you do that, he'll be there in no time. Let's, quit, let's keep reading. Quit dabbling in sin. 
Oh, so there is a part here for us. Some of you out there need to quit dabbling in, in uh, you know, alcohol, you know, whatever it is, drugs, whatever it is. Quit dabbling in sin. It says this. Next verse. Purify your inner life. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field, it says. I love this. Well, I'll try a little of this and I'll try a little of that and I'll sample this and that. And I'll, the Bible says quit playing the field. Quit trying to have God when you want him and something over here. When it's not convenient, put God over here. It says quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. So if you're, you know, even if you're at a place of desperation, you know, it's really not bad to be desperate. Sometimes when you're desperate, it's when you get when you get real with yourself and some of us need to just get real and cry out to God, be desperate for God. Say, Lord, I've had enough of living like this. Even if you're a Christian, I've had enough of just being a part time Christian and playing with this and not being real. And I know there's more. I know that I could be things could be so much better if I just sell out. Maybe you just need to have a good cry and just get before God and repent. Let's read. Uh, on a little bit more, Rob done. The fun and games, it says, are over. The fun and games are over. But now listen to this. Get serious, really serious. Some of you need to get really serious with God. Get down on your knees, it says in verse 10 in the Message Bible, James chapter 4. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.